Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. The three Musketeers are all back together again for the first time in three weeks. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. That's Caleb Henry, KLIN Sports Director. Hello, hello. Off camera over there is the wizard, Kenny Larrabee. The wizard. Getting us online on the Facebook Live. If you've never checked that out, make today that day. I mean, Caleb's looking good, but allergies are really hammering me. My eyes are not in in game shape right now. They like, got they got a twinkle though. Like the pollen, just okay. Just imagine my eyes are Gonzaga, and the pollen is Baylor. That's all you need to know. It's been a rough week. So we've been anticipating it for months. Oh, it's been anticipated. <laughs> my eyes have been rolling along, just perfection, and then Baylor just wrecks them. It's it's not good. Um, later on, though, we will have some. Uh, I, I have some thoughts on on how Baylor's performance uh, relates to Nebraska. Uh, so uh, stick around for that. Uh, and and in I guess we can start here in honor of the way my eyes are just getting beat up by the pollen out there. Uh, how about the NCAA, Caleb, in getting beat up again for a, a reason that is just completely preventable? I mean, I'm taking allergy medication, but I can only do so much. The NCAA's got a lot of money, and they had a chance to not screw this up after doing what they did with the women's basketball tournament. And yet, here we are with volleyball, and they somehow made it worse for themselves. So, here's the thing. For anyone who doesn't know, and by this point, if you've been on social media at all and follow anyone who covers the Huskers or at least likes the Huskers, you probably know. But for those of you that don't, on Thursday we started getting reports trickling out that the first and second rounds of the NCAA Volleyball Tournament, which begin this next Wednesday, first round, second round, uh, is Thursday. That's where Nebraska will play the winner of Utah Valley and Texas State. That those rounds would not have a broadcast crew. They would just have the live feed. Like there'd be a camera up in the corner, and you would just see the action, but there'd be no broadcast team. Because apparently there were complications due to the format which that format was selected by the NCAA. So their their reasoning is that it's their own fault that there's complications. Anyway, other complications or other reports that began trickling out was were the practice surfaces was how it was going to be um is going to be Terraflex but it was pretty much just over concrete. So there's still no give. So that was going to be dangerous for the practice portions that teams would have. Now they're going to put some carpeting and some stuff underneath just to give it a little bit more give, so that's going to help out there. We also heard from Coach Cook that there's not going to be a locker room available to these teams because all of the first and second round matches are going to be played in that convention hall. Nobody gets to actually use the CHI Health Center like arena, nobody gets to use that so that everything can be fair and equitable. They're only going to play in that convention center hall. So there's no locker room. There's no bathrooms. The concern became how are teams going to change because you don't wear your uniform to change in volleyball. You warm up and then you run to the locker room and you change. And so the NCAA came out and and made their statement about how, well, there's there's uh, the impact of the format is that we can't broadcast. They're going to now. ESPN's going to have broadcast teams um, because Class D1 schools 
D2 schools in high school right now can put together a broadcast team via Strive within 30 minutes. Yeah. Like you, you could call someone up right now at Sandhills Thedford and they would be able to broadcast any of those matches. <laughs> Shout out Sandhills Thedford. Um, but then the NCAA also said there's going to be a secure changing area on site. What does that mean? Is there just going to be, there's going to be curtains? put up somewhere and they run in there and change. That's still not a locker room at all. Now, the the reason this is all dumb is we can go back three months to when I proposed it, to when the World Herald proposed it. A bunch of people talked about it on social media to use multiple venues. John Cook talked about it this week. Why aren't we using multiple venues? You've already cut the field down to 48. We just watched it happen in Indianapolis with men's basketball and San Antonio with women's basketball. Those championship events went off without a hitch. Only had one team in either tournament not participate because of COVID testing. And that was a first-round match. So when you think about that, and you've got it cut down for volleyball, it's all in one place. What it comes down to is the NCAA what we saw during the women's basketball portion where they just didn't care and it was a women's sport, they don't care about the sport of volleyball. They don't care about women's volleyball. In the mecca of the sport here in the United States, there's a couple places that that might want to try and argue that, but Nebraska has the the most young ladies playing volleyball per capita in the nation. Yeah. This... And I know we, we always talk about football and basketball. It's like, well, how many Division One recruits can you get? How many Division One recruits can you get? Volleyball is pumping them out, guys. That's what we're seeing. And in this state in particular, there's a lot of pride in the NCAA tournament. The NCAA is in charge of it. It's not Omaha. It's the NCAA in charge of it. So to not use any of those other venues just so it's the convenience of being in one place. To not give these teams a better championship experience. And don't get me wrong, and there are some folks that, that just want there to be a bunch of gratitude from the players. They are they are grateful to be playing this sport and to have the seasons that they had. And for those of them that made the slim down tournament, they are they are happy to be there. And they will have experiences for a lifetime out of this. Especially for some of those smaller colleges or smaller conference schools that they don't make the tournament every year. This might be their only experience there. Of course, they're going to cherish this for a lifetime. But that's the absolute lowest level of the bar. This is a championship event and should be treated as such. It's been disrespectful to every one of those players and teams and fans the way it's been handled. It needs to be better. And the NCAA needs to have have their feet held to the coals. Obviously, there was enough outcry on social media to make it so that the broadcast teams would be there for the first and second rounds. Obviously, we're going to be listening here on 1400 to uh, John Baylor and Lauren Cook-West, but there's a lot of folks that want to see the action because you can't get in for the first or second round as regular fans. That's a giant issue because they're in a convention hall. It's idiotic the way it's been set up. The NCAA dropped the ball at a time that they could not drop the ball coming out of the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. Didn't even have one of the teams in their final four highlights. At some point, 
We all just have to recognize the NCAA doesn't care about women's sports, doesn't care about growing sports that are outside of their main revenue, football and men's basketball. But we also have to recognize that without the NCAA taking the time to grow those sports themselves, I talked about this with Derek Peterson of Hale Varsity. Colt, we grew up watching the NCAA men's basketball tournament. So obviously we're going to be giant fans of that because that's what we saw. Mm-hmm. I don't recall seeing a college women's basketball game until maybe I was in high school or college myself, seeing it on TV. I, I remember seeing a few volleyball matches aired on NET, which, by the way, the baseball game today will be on NET. That's right. If you don't make a space for these competitions, for these sports to get out there, they can't grow. And you can continuously, as the NCAA point, go, well, the revenue, and here's here's how many viewers. If you don't put in the effort to grow it the way the NBA did in the 90s, the 80s and 90s going global to, to the product it is today, think about that, 25, 30 years later is what David Stern was looking at. You have to do that, Mark Emmert. You have to do that NCAA, and you're not, and it's disrespectful to every single athlete in the NCAA, no matter the sport they play, especially the women's sports. Thank you very much, Caleb. Couldn't have said it better. I'll, I'll try to add a little bit to it, though. Uh, look, it's you mentioned a lot of reasons why this is so bad, and all of those are absolutely 100% correct. The, the one thing that I keep coming back to is the the thought and the sentiment that oh well yeah they're they're able to play think of if they couldn't play at all that would be even worse yeah it would that's not the point the point is the NCAA as an organization is not only capable of putting on a crappy tournament like they've done so far and mm-hmm. and they've they've made now steps to rectify after the backlash but they have the capability and the resources and the connections with the media companies like ESPN to have done this the right way the first time, and they just chose not to do it. Women's basketball is the Tier 1 women's college sport, and and that one is most of the time treated as such, the, the weight room discrepancy this year in their bubble in San Antonio notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. Right there below that on that next tier, I would argue you've got volleyball and softball. Both of those are, are right. You've got the Women's College right. World Series gets a lot of attention. Volleyball gets a lot of attention as well. There's no excuse to just let that go the way that it went. There's no excuse to have had all of the things that they just went through these last couple of weeks and not realized oh, crap, this is going to happen to us again, like two weeks from now, if we don't fix it. And they still didn't fix it. I, I don't know how they couldn't have seen it coming. That's the, that's the thing that blows my mind. How, you, how could you not have seen that coming, knowing what you just saw with the women's basketball tournament? Mm-hmm. And look, it's, there are a lot more of the the women's college athletes with voices now than I've ever been. Uh, we, it was detailed with the NCAA basketball tournament with the the NIL stuff mm-hmm. to where the UConn star Paige is it Bukers? Yeah, Paige Bukers probably has more earning power 
once the NIL legislation gets done and they figure all that out, than any of the player on the men's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've detailed on this show a lot how Lexi Sun is one of the biggest, uh, has one of the biggest social media presences out there, bigger even than Adrian Martinez's, where her earning potential is higher than the football players. The women's teams and their players have more of a voice now than they ever have. And that's part of why this is getting done. But the other part of why this is getting the attention that it is and that there is as much outrage out there as there is, is because the guys are coming to their their support as well. Uh, I remember seeing uh, Heinrich Harburg. Heinrich, yeah. He's got, what, three younger sisters, he said in his social media post, mm-hmm. who play volleyball. And, I mean, what's he, he, he posited out there, what, what's he supposed to tell them? How is he supposed to tell them that the NCAA takes their sport seriously with a straight face when that's what he sees? Mm-hmm. Um, you have a lot of backlash to guys like Draymond Green who are saying stupid things <laughs> where <laughs> Megan Rapino came right back at him and said, ah, uh, you might want to fix that thought. It's, it's refreshing to see the guys in the sports world who are coming out and, and saying, Hey, this isn't right. They don't have to do that, but they see what everybody else is seeing and they have a big platform as well. Um, even though the women have bigger platforms than ever, a lot of the guys obviously do have very large platforms where they can reach a lot of people and frankly, reach a different audience too, to try to get things changed around. So the NCAA, you gotta, you gotta start thinking about this. Not in terms of, well, we have to do this because we we have to. No, you, you get to do this. You get to put on a better tournament because you can, because you should, because the players in these tournaments deserve it. So the NCAA is one thing, but it's refreshing to see not only that the women have more of a voice, but that the men are are coming to to their support and their aid as well. One very last thought before we get to Lincoln Arneal, who's going to do a great job of helping us break down what this NCAA volleyball tournament is actually going to look like, and especially between the lines and the playing, not just how the NCAA is turning it, but a lot of the outcry that I've seen from folks. It, the Venn diagram is a circle of the folks crying that student-athletes shouldn't get paid, but also saying that the way sports are treated is based on revenue. It's a circle. Mm-hmm. You can't cry that it's that uh, that the NCAA has all of this money and still want all of this amateurism because if there's all of this money there, they can take the time to treat these sports a little bit more equitably. Hundred percent. And and that that time is coming to where the amateur model is going to be broken. And it's coming sooner rather than later because Mm -hmm. a lot of the states that have the ability to push this legislation through in their states, that's happening this summer. And then you're going to see some action, I think, on the federal level because it's going to be really, really difficult for it to be governed where different states have different rules. Uh, And and I I just don't see how that can happen. So uh, the NCAA has got a lot on their plate they got to do better with the stuff that they already have on their plate, though. That's clear. All right, Lincoln Arneal from the Omaha World Herald covers Nebraska volleyball for them and, and volleyball as a whole this week. Uh, he's going to break that down for us. We've got a lot of spring football thoughts as well coming up. Uh, we'll talk about what you can expect to see next week if you're one of the lucky 4,000 to get into Memorial Stadium and watch that practice. Lincoln Arneal next here on the KLI and Husker Hour.
giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour, rolling along here on a Saturday morning. It is a busy, busy Husker weekend here. Yes. There is a lot going on. Uh, One sport that's not actually playing this weekend is volleyball because they've got to buy into the next round because there's only 48 teams. Funny enough, that's not the thing that the NCAA is being criticized for this week. That was last week. This week, it's a whole new a whole new deal. Uh, and here to help us break all of that down, along with Nebraska Volleyball and, and what their team is hoping to do here soon and making a run through the NCAA tournament right here in their backyard in Omaha, is the Omaha World Herald Volleyball writer Lincoln Arneal joining us here on the line. Lincoln, thanks very much for joining us this morning. How are you? I'm doing all right, Caleb. It's a, I mean, talk about one issue to NCAA's group. We got a whole litany of stuff we could talk. We take up a whole hour if you want to. <laughs> we could. We absolutely could. I want to start with the the S storm that is coming down on the NCAA right now, uh, and that is the situation with the convention hall, the floors, the lack of locker rooms, all of that. Uh, volleyball is is having its moment now, just like women's basketball was a few weeks ago where you're seeing a lot of inequity, you're seeing a lot of just not... The the NCAA is just kind of going through the motions almost, like they have to do this, not like they want to do this. Can you give us a quick rundown of just what they've rectified so far uh, based on the backlash uh, from the last couple of uh, days? Well, to start off, one thing that has been remedied, I guess, uh, ESPN is broadcasting all 47 games uh, in the past, the, the, those first two rounds kind of go out to the host institutions. They can give it to uh, their conference network or their local streaming platform in Nebraska. NET typically broadcasts that. Uh, but their ESPN is going to broadcast that on their streaming service, ESPN3, but not have any announcers. So that's, that's just silly. I mean, you're watching volleyball, it's great. I mean, I watch the basketball, football games like that. It's fine, but the volleyball, I mean, it, it just recognizes it as a legitimate broadcast map. So ESPN came out yesterday and said, Hey, we are going to have announcers with, for all the games. So uh, the public pressure—they they, they won that battle. So that's the one thing where progress has been made. Uh, the other thing you alluded to is the locker room situation or lack thereof, uh, because they're playing in convention centers and there's uh, four matches going on as, 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 at the same time. Uh, there's not really facilities in the convention center to give them their own locker rooms or places they can kind of gather. And, but uh, on Thursday night, the NCAA said they would have uh, secured changing areas, which we didn't know that way. I mean, that's not a locker room. That's probably just curtains set up, squared off in a corner, and hopefully the curtains are secure to give them privacy and kind of allow them to have moments to change their uniforms before. Because a lot of teams change their warm-up tops into their game uniforms before that, and they also need a few minutes to talk strategy, too, and kind of have a moment to clip themselves before the match. So uh, that's been another one. Uh, there was an issue raised about what kind of workout facilities. We're still working on figuring out what is going on with that. But there's just a whole litany of issues that just – I mean, inequity is part of it, yes. And it just, it just they're trying to get by in the bare minimum, it seems like, and not really putting that much effort into hosting the grand event that the NCAA championships deserve to be. Lincoln, before we talk about what's going to happen between the lines in, in Nebraska, going to be waiting on the winner of Texas State and Utah Valley and having three weeks off between matches, the fact that all of these first couple rounds are played in that convention hall, 
um, and, and not actually using the the main court at at CHI Health Center. What could you just take us back for a moment on the 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 decision to do that for from what you know and not to spread out and use the facilities across Omaha that has great facilities or even sending a couple teams down to Lincoln? Yeah, so it's kind of it wasn't one decision made; it was a bunch of decisions made along the way. I mean, it first started off last September when they postponed the championships to the spring, and they made the kind of the blanket application that all fall championships were going to be reduced by seventy-five percent. So for volleyball, that means we're going from sixty-eight to forty-eight. Well, that was the operating procedure until earlier in uh, late January, early February, when they decided, the NCAA decided we're going to change volleyball and go to one side. So. 48 teams, one site, rather than have them in the spread out across the country, which is fine. So when that news came out, we're kind of wondering, well, what are they going to do? We, we figured that the CHI Health Center would, would always host the Final Four championship matches because that's the biggest facility in Omaha, and hopefully at that point we were hoping fans were going to be allowed. But, I mean, Omaha has a great number of arenas. I mean, you got Stokel Auditorium, Ralston Arena, Baxter Arena. Uh, you don't even have to leave the city. I mean, you can use Devaney if you want, but there's four capable arenas that could host it. But from talking to NCAA, they were solely focused on health and procedure, limiting exposure, so they didn't want to incorporate uh, four different event, event staffs at four different facilities. So I, that's their rationale, but I think, I mean, you could run these operations even if there aren't fans there with pretty skeleton staffs and provide locker rooms, provide, I mean, normal court, not, not have it any semblance of like just getting into the convention center just invites the conversation that this is a glorified club tournament. So it just, I think they were so focused on health and safety and limiting the exposures that they didn't think that we can still run a great event and still have uh, a top notch uh, championships and really kind of honor the teams that have made it this far in the season. I think that rationale would hold up a lot better Lincoln if they didn't just do the men's and women's basketball tournaments at multiple yeah. sites. Yeah, yeah, and you saw, you saw. I mean, you could have that. I mean, they had it in Bloomington. They had it up in at uh, West Lafayette. And they had it in a number of cities. So they proved with basketball that they could do it in multiple cities and multiple venues, and not have not 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 worry about health and health and safety procedures so strictly. All right, talking with Lincoln Arneal of the Omaha World Herald, that's all the outside-the-line stuff. We, I'm sure folks want to hear about the inside-the-line stuff, too. For for Husker Volleyball, it's going to be about three weeks off, um, which I don't think anyone is really excited about. What what are you? What have you heard from the team the last couple of weeks, concerns about that or and the fact that they're going to play an opponent who just played the day before and got to knock off any of that rust? Yeah, I, I think that, that that is a concern, too. I mean, John Cook has mentioned all year that this team loves to train. They love being in the gym. I mean, they have to, being, being through the offseason, the season they've been to. I mean, they, they had a two-week break earlier this year, but three weeks off without seeing a match is just different. I mean, they get to the competitive juices flowing. So there is some concern uh, about that, and they've, they've, they've also struggled to start some matches, too. So if Nebraska is a little rusty out of the gate, that may be an explanation why, but I think they're trying to be creative. They're trying to keep their practices light and fun. I mean, uh, Nebraska took a little bit of last week off after the Penn State matches were canceled just to kind of give them a mental mental break and, and kind of a way to physically recover before the grind of the tournament. So I, I think they're aware of it. They're trying to handle it the best they can, but there's other teams that are also dealing with this too, and 
Uh, unfortunately, I mean, one day off, I mean, having that extra mask will help. I mean, John Cook even sent his press conference that he'd almost kind of prefer to be on seat just so we could get that first match in there to get, get the feel of the convention center and get back in the flow of competition. Everybody knows the the big names on this team. Obviously, Sun, Stiverens, Hames—they're all Big Ten. Uh, give me a, one of the supporting cast members who's maybe most important to the NCAA tournament run. Where if they are on their game, Nebraska is going to be almost impossible to stop. Well, if I give you the name of a three-year starter, is that is that considered <laughs> under the radar? But I think Jazz Sweet is going to be the key to this run. I mean, she's been battling with Riley Zune on the right side, and Zune unfortunately uh, broke a bone in her foot, so she's done for the year. And we've seen Jazz kind of play the last couple of weeks when matches were going on. She looked like Jazz of old when she kind of came in earlier this season. Uh, something was off. I don't know whether it's confidence or just kind of not being able to get to a rhythm, her normal rhythm. Uh, but we saw a little bit more of the old Jazz Sweet, and I think if you add her to the mix, it's just another attacker to keep uh, opponents guessing where the ball is going and keep, keep their defense off balance. And if she's on, then I think that really adds that needed dimension besides Cubic Sun, Siverens, and, and Caffey, and oh, the, rest of the, the rest of the offense, too. So I think that if Jazz can play like the Jazz of old that we saw last year in the regional final. Uh, in Wisconsin, I think Nebraska is going to be a much better team because of that. Okay, Lincoln, big picture here because uh, the next time Cole and I have a show next Saturday, the tournament will have already begun. We would have already seen seen Nebraska play either Texas State or Utah Valley on Thursday. When you're looking at this tournament as a whole, who do you see as a favorite and what do you see as Nebraska's biggest challenge on making a championship run in Omaha? I think it's been the same thing it's been for the last year and a half with Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin hasn't been beaten. They've only dropped, I think, three sets all season. Uh, Nebraska would meet them in the final four. I think Nebraska would be excited to have another shot at them. Uh, but they, they look good. They have a lot of firepower, and I think until they get knocked off, uh, they are the team to beat in the field. We've seen some of the other top teams, Texas lost to Rice. Uh, Baylor Baylor lost to Texas State, so don't take that match too 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 lightly. Uh, that second round match, and uh, so you, we've seen a lot of other teams kind of have those momentary mental lapses. But Wisconsin, they had a COVID break, uh, they bounced back and have looked good all year long. So I think Wisconsin is the favorite, and until someone comes along and knocks them off, this is Wisconsin's turn to lose. That's Lincoln Arneal from the Omaha World Herald, covers Husker Volleyball for them, and this week doing a little NCAA coverage as well because of all the all the fun stories coming out of that that mess. Uh, Lincoln, thanks a lot for the time. Thanks for running that down for us, and uh, we'll catch up later. No, no problem. Have a good rest of your guys. Yeah. Yep, you too. Thanks a lot. That's uh, Lincoln Arneal with uh, a good rundown of, of what to expect from the Huskers and what has gone down with the NCAA. It's... I. I it's, it was just so avoidable. It was, it was. So, so dumb of the NCAA to screw this up again when they could have had the foresight to say, hey, this, really, this went really bad. Let's make sure it doesn't happen again when we do this again here with uh, another high-profile women's sport. When I was talking with Jack Mitchell yesterday, it was the statement came out late Thursday on, well, here's the reason that we couldn't broad, have a broadcast team for every one of them. And, of course, there's going to be a secure changing side. The fact that people were saying there's no locker rooms or they'd have to change on the bench, that was false. I was thinking the whole time going, you guys are not making this better. You, you, are, you, are, <laughs> like, you see how this is worse, right, with all of that that you were already saying, well, there's no requirement to broadcast the first and second rounds. Like, you guys understand how that's worse. 
Um, <laughs> I was, I, all I was thinking was there was not someone in that room as they were drafting that statement and going, guys, this isn't going to help us. Like the PR side of the NCAA is apparently being advised by the Big Ten. It's not working. Yeesh. Oh. Well, speaking of decisions the Big Ten made, did you hear? I heard Lincoln Arneal say that Texas State beat Baylor in volleyball. They did. Hold on. Texas State's not in the Big 12. How could they have had non-conference matchups this year? Uh-oh. Huh. It's weird. Hey, I but I don't know what a non-conference matchup is anymore. Yeah, just, but uh, in conference, Nebraska baseball is number one. Ooh. Good segue. Yeah. We got Husker baseball talk coming after this break. Uh, Nebraska basketball, not one, but two new additions. We'll tell you about them. Uh, and there is a, a Husker team playing for a national championship tonight. Bull, big, red. Bull, big, red. Yes. It's not Bill Straub, though. You got a new head coach taking the reins, and, and he's doing some, doing the same things. Uh, all of that and more uh, in spring football, by the way, when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Haven't done that in a while. I miss that. Miss being in studio. It's the first time in three weeks for me. You look good. Thanks. Except for my eyes. Just getting beat up. No, that's the best part. I appreciate that. (laughs) Money's, uh, your money's in the mail. Uh, if you missed our conversation just uh, a few minutes ago with Lincoln Arneal from the World Herald about all things Husker Volleyball and NCAA Volleyball, uh, of course, you can always catch up on the podcast page at KLIN.com. Head over to our Facebook page where you can watch the live stream now or you can watch the live stream later. Uh, that's at KLIN Huskers. We're on Twitter as well with the same uh, the same handle at KLIN Huskers. Um, let's, uh, let's transition to some other sports that are going on. Um, let's start with football. Uh, it was announced last week that you have uh, a second chance. If you don't have spring game tickets, you have a second chance to see the Nebraska football team practice. Which, by the way, there are spring tickets available, guys. There are still. There are still. Because the capacity for that game, the, the attendance is going to be, what, 40, about 43,000. 43, 43. And so 4,000 fans are going to have the chance to go watch the practice here next Saturday, the 17th. and For it'll be free. For free. But very limited, right? Limited attendance there, and and I wonder what they'll see, Caleb. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what we're seeing and hearing in the limited amounts of time that the media has had a chance to actually watch the spring ball stuff, uh, and then the stuff that we've heard from some of the players and coaches. Because right. we've heard from some guys we haven't heard from in a while. Uh, we've heard it from some of the assistants we haven't seen or heard from in a while. Some players for the first time, like Turner Corcoran, met with the media for the first time. Big dude. Uh, yes. Uh, and and so uh, I want to start there. What stories and, and what maybe themes and, and, and players and, and position groups, like give me some stuff that, that you are kind of keeping your eye on right now. So first of all, we got to see about 30 minutes of practice on Wednesday. Yep. That is a very small window in the grand scheme of the several practices that have gone on. So there there's there's been a lot come out this week on generally they're all overreactions is what they are because you don't have a proper sample size. Yeah. But fans are actually going to get a really good look at this next week uh when when they do get a chance to go into Memorial Stadium to watch a practice and usually when they're at Memorial Stadium they get into a little bit of scrimmage as well. Yeah. So you get to see guys not just do drills. That'll obviously be part of that, but you'll get to see guys actually compete one-on-one, offense and defense, and where they can do some things. Now, 
What we've heard a lot of is from a few folks, Gabe Irvin looking really good at running back, but he has to because we learned that Marquis Step is out for the spring. Expected back um, actually over the summer. He had he had to have surgery, so did Ben Stilley. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of defensive line reps up for grabs. Um, uh, Marcus Buford, a defensive back, he is out for this spring as well. There, there's a few other guys that are out. Um, we didn't see Omar Manning. Uh, go through practice on Wednesday, but he was in a highlight video from later uh, later in the week. Yes, so we've seen him actually in pads and catch a football, and he does exist, guys. Omar Manning as <laughs> as a receiver. Um, but the biggest takeaway I had from getting to seed practice was, oh man, is Heinrich Harburg got a high ceiling? He he has got all of the physical attributes you are going to want at the quarterback position. We know he's fast. Mm. Like we know that. That's that's not a thing that we have to see. And think about with Nebraska quarterbacks, it hasn't like over the past decade or so or even longer, it hasn't really been about are they fast? Can they escape the pocket? Can they outrun some guys? It's always been about their arm. Who can actually make some of the passes? That's where Nebraska's gotten in trouble. If it was just about how fast you could run, Taylor Martinez is the greatest quarterback in Nebraska history. Like, but we know that's not true. We know he's definitely probably he probably ends up being undervalued because of the way the injuries happen. The same way Adrian Martinez's career right now, he's set a lot of records because he started a lot of games, but it's probably undervalued because of the the injury history. Heinrich Harburg is going to push Logan Smothers for that number two spot, and that I don't think that's an overreaction. Part of it though could be maybe Logan Smothers just didn't look great in that 30 minutes that we saw him throw and actually when you cut it down it was only about 15 minutes that that we were able to see them do those portion of the drills Harburg a cannon of an arm he's got a great about three quarter delivery hit on all three levels looked like he he didn't underthrow a receiver down the sideline on one but he just he didn't get rid of the ball early enough He's going to get there, guys. He's been on campus, what, two months, three months? Mm-hmm. Like he, He's giving up his his spring where he would be in track season right now. He'd be out running dudes, running 10-5s <laughs> or faster, whatever he was running because it was ridiculous. Um, that is, that's one of my biggest takeaways is what that quarterback room has looked like. And Martinez, obviously, he's the clear leader. I don't yes. think anyone is usurping him outside of there being an injury. He has to give that spot away. Yes. There, there's there's no one taking it from him. Um, and if someone does, oh boy, have they come along. But I think Harburg is definitely further along than what this coaching staff imagined. Logan Smothers is going through his first real spring because it all got cut cut short last year. He didn't have a real season. Right. Um, but you go away from that, and the defensive backs sound like they, they're, uh, they're bond and just kind of that all the unsaid parts of you know what that chemistry is with the guy next to you. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing that with um, with Dismuke, and you're seeing that with Deontay, um, and obviously Cam Taylor Britt back there. Those are there are things that you can't practice. Like you can put in a bunch of time, and eventually you'll get there. But this isn't something that you can go and sit down and watch some film, and it happens. The chemistry of having four and five year guys on that defensive side of the ball. That's been nice to hear the coaches talk about that. Um, and then you go around, and the coach, Coach Lubick, said he this is about as deep of a running back room he's had. You hear from uh, Sean Becton that the tight ends, even even with um, even with losing Raftall, 
This tight end group is stout. So, like, obviously it's the off season, and we're going to drink the Kool-Aid. But we actually got to see a practice happen in person for the first time since 2019. The fans are going to get their chance in a week. Mm. This is an exciting time. Um, and it was, and Deontay Williams said it, and this is one of the things that is going to, yeah, put it on a shirt. Deontay Williams said that there's a lot of folks that are pegging this team to go 500 or 7-5, and five, but they're out here to win the West. Can they do that? Remains to be seen because Nebraska has never won the West. The only division they've won is when it was Legends and Leaders, and they got smacked by the third-place team in the other division because Wisconsin got to go. Yep. And Ohio State and Penn State were on sanctions. Mm-hmm. Can they win the West? I don't know, but this spring is shaping up to be pretty good, at least from a confidence side of things. Things seem to be moving in that right, correct direction. I just think they're so happy to just actually like be able to get out there and you the you can you can see how free they feel yeah. like in, in the highlight videos. Obviously, first of all, shout out create uh, the creatives mm-hmm. at Nebraska. There have been some fantastic videos over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, um, but you can tell when all the guys come up and talk. It feels good to just be playing the game yeah. and getting to go through the practices. Yeah, and not only that, but they're going to be able to have fans in the stands. Uh, they're going to ha- they're going to get to work their way up. You're going to go to four thousand here next Saturday. Then you're going to go to forty thousand two couple Saturdays weeks after, after that. that, and then a few months from now, hopefully ninety thousand. Hopefully, fill it up. Let's you know. It'll be it'll be a few months later than than you know the Texas Rangers opening up their park right now to full stadiums, but yeah, hopefully uh, that is the situation that the the Husker fans are looking at, uh, and the players will have a chance to get acclimated to that crowd before Illinois will, which is remember Nebraska is starting their season this year with a Big Ten opponent, right? Um, even though it'll be on the road, Nebraska will have had fans in the stands and they'll have had experience with that. Illinois, it will have been a lot longer uh, for them. All right, uh, basketball, baseball, we've got a lot to hit on. Don't go anywhere. We're talking all that when we come back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Husker Hoops. Not in the Final Four, but still winning outside of the arena. They got a big commitment this week, Caleb. Oleg Koyanets, Lithuanian seven-footer. Koyanets, by the way. Koyanets? Yeah. Koyanets? Koyanets? Koyanets. Koyanets? Koyanets. I think the ya is, is the, uh, has the emphasis. Yeah. I'm going to go with Koyanets. Koyanets? Koyanets. We're all just guessing. He's Lithuanian. We're American. <laughs> it's not a compatible language, uh, but we're doing our best here. Seven foot. He's got a seven foot one wingspan. Um, he has. Uh, he's helped out with the Lithuanian uh, national team, the 2019 FIBA Under 16 European Championships. Nine point one points per game on forty nine percent shooting, six point three rebounds, and almost two blocks per game. Um, don't, th- this might give you some Fran Frischilla on Ty Webster, uh, uh, maybe, uh, re refresh, but, uh, an international, uh, recruiting analyst said he would be regarded as a potential top 50 prospect if he were an American. Right. So what, take that how you will. Uh, he's in, this is a, uh, uh, 
he, he played in Ohio this last year mm-hmm. at Western Reserve Academy with one of Wisconsin's commitments uh, for the next year. And so he's a freshman. He's coming in, um, able to play four years, uh, get developed, and and this is another big man. Maybe a, an Eduardo Andre type project. He can put a little bit more uh, weight on his frame, but uh, he's he's a guy who can really change some things in the Big Ten for you as Nebraska looks to add more size to be able to compete. You can't teach size and you can't teach length, right. and he has those. He's a, He's got a nice shooting touch, moves well, um, can take a couple dribbles with the ball. That was an issue with with uh, with Ivan. Yeah. Was if he had the ball, he couldn't get out of trouble with a couple of dribbles. Um, there's there's a lot of great things Ivan did here, um, but it was not with the ball in his hands, and that's kind of what this offense needs. Is all five guys need to at least be able to do a little bit with the ball in their hands. We talk about Heinrich Harburg for football, and what are what's the lineage? For him, well, it's a walk-on fullback in his dad, mm-hmm. and an Oklahoma State tracker in mom. For Oleg, his dad yep. and mom both played at UNC Wilmington. Dad started like over a hundred games, part of their first Colonial Athletic Association championship team. Mom still holds the school record for ten blocks in a single game. Um, mom is six six, by the way. Dad is six ten. Yep. And uh, mom is, I think, third all time in their school history in block shots. So you have not just the athleticism that's there, but it is the growing up in a household of parents that played basketball at a pretty high level. And now you have obviously done that same thing, and that's exactly what Hoiberg is cashing in now. Did did we ever think we were going to get someone over six ten to come to Lincoln? I knew that I know that's something that has to be the adjustment with this Big Ten, the way it's predicated on bigs. But man, I thought it was just going to be okay, the guards and wings are taller than everyone else's, but kind of the the bigs are a little shorter and not quite going to ever be the Kofi Coburns and the Luca Garzas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was that year under Doc where Nebraska had the shortest team in America. Yes. So, yeah, it's it's refreshing. To We've get been a guy, used to that here. <laughs> it's, yes, it's refreshing to get a guy with seven at the beginning of his height uh, because that that's not usually a guy that comes to Nebraska. That's usually uh, – Purdue usually has like four of those guys on their roster and they just kind of line them up and, and get ready to take the next uh, the next step. After Wasn't the um, Elliot Eliason, was he just 6'11"? 6'10", I thought. 6'10", yeah, yeah. from, from Shattern, and he Minnesota. went to Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, there's when when there is height in the state, uh Matt Smith, uh who went to Lincoln Southeast. Matt Hill. Hill. Matt Hill. Who went to Texas? Yeah, went to Texas. Yes. With it, his hair he might have been seven foot. The, the hair definitely put him at like <laughs> seven this, three. He had the sideshow Bob look going there. Um so so yeah, that is that is the guy the Huskers got on the floor. Uh on the sideline, Nebraska added another assistant coach. Uh, this will be a guy taking Doc Sadler's spot because Doc is taking Bobby Lutz's spot in the in the not one of the three assistant coach roles. He's more of the support staff role now. Doc is, um, and then taking his spot, Nate Lenzer, uh, which is a guy who's followed Hoiberg a few places. He was part of his staff at Iowa State. He was part of the Bulls. Uh, assistant coaching staff. He was actually their D League coach, the Windy City Bulls, mm-hmm. uh, when this year's All Star Zach Levine played there. And Zach Levine swears by the guy. Got high praise yes. from Zach Levine. So he's he's part of uh, the staff that coached Melvin Edgem and DeAndre Kane when they were All Americans at Iowa State when they won 28 games. 
Um, he he's got. A, he was there with uh, with Niang also. Georges Niang too. Yep, yep. Um, and and so there are there are a lot of guys that you can look back through with Iowa State and with the Bulls organization uh, that Nate Lenzer has had a hand in developing, and now he's here with a hand in developing Nebraska, and uh, he's 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 one of the you know. Quiet spoken, soft spoken guys like Hoiberg, but uh, you look at it, the results that he's gotten, his stops, and he gets it done. Now, I want to transition really quick because I want us to mention this. Nebraska Bowling is competing for their for a title. It's the tenth time they're in the championship match. They upset top seeded McKendry yesterday. McKendry, you're going down. McKendry, by the way, in kind of the St. Louis area. They are a they are a bowling power. They though. they they are bowling bowling. Nebraska's is, matched up with McKendry multiple times. Bowling is built different. The the way kind of everything is laid out. You you look at that and you think of um, it's kind of the same way Gonzaga's really good at men's basketball. Mm-hmm. You don't really hear about Gonzaga and anything else. Um, and the same with same a little bit with Appalachian State. You, you'd see them do some stuff in football but you really wouldn't hear about the other sports at a national level. McKendry is absolutely that way in bowling. Yes. Now, Nebraska is in the championship match. It's double elimination. Um, They are awaiting the winner of Arkansas State, who Nebraska beat yesterday, and McKendry. And Mm -hmm. that match will actually be tonight on ESPNU at 6 o'clock. Huskers have done, done really, really well. And just to see if I can say it, Crystal Elliott, uh, Kayla Verstraight, Cassidy Ray, Michelle Guaro, and Gwen Meha. There's your Husker Bowlers. I hope I did all right with those names, but they absolutely deserve to have their names said um, over the airwaves with with the way they've performed. One one match away from a championship. Yes, and they've done this a lot under Bill Straub. Paul Klempa is the guy now, and and he's he's on the doorstep. They can they can get the national title. Uh, tonight, uh, again, you can tune in on to ESPNU and you can see uh, the Husker Bowlers go for a championship. Um, Nebraska baseball is going for a championship as well. They are uh, they are the hottest team in the Big Ten. Won 9 of 10. Is that good? I think that's good. That's good. Hold on. Yes, I'm hearing sources tell me that that is in fact good. Oh, good. Uh, we'll tell you about all the good that's coming out of Husker baseball. Uh, they got more of it coming up this weekend. They're home. Maybe tickets available. You can go and see them yeah. right here in the 402. Uh, that is coming up. Uh, that's a 2 o'clock first pitch today. Uh, we'll run down that and the rest of the Husker uh, athletic schedule this weekend when we come back and wrap things up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Can you really call yourself a Nebraskan, Caleb, if you've never watched a Nebraska bowling national championship match on TV? I remember tuning in for those, like even when I was in high school. Yes, and that that was around the time that the NCAA kind of started really sanctioning volleyball or uh, yes. bowling. Yes, but tuning in, being like, it's a national championship, and the the home state school is there. Yeah, you tune in for that. They last won the title in 2015. Last year, they didn't get a chance to do the tournament because of COVID starting up, but they had the player of the year, Raquel Orozco, uh, and this is a chance to win their sixth NCAA title and their eighth national championship overall because uh, two of them came before the NCAA started sanctioning everything. Okay, baseball. Uh, yesterday, Nebraska rolled Maryland. It was uh, an easy win, 6-2. to two. Cade Povich went 6-3, 5Ks, 2 runs on 4 hits, 3 walks. 
Bryce Matthews hit a bomb. Joe Acker had three doubles. First time the <laughs> Huskers done that since Angelo Altavilla in 2017. Uh, Spencer Schwellenbach had two hits, three runs driven in, scoreless ninth inning pitched. Like, what more can you say? What, what else Up do you and down the Schwally? roster. <laughs> the, the, the team is finding guys throughout the roster. Mojo Haggy had a web gem out in left field. You've got Max Anderson, who might be the freshman of the year in the conference. There was an infield bunt single. Just like what you got guys hitting home runs, guys bunting for singles. Uh, we saw it a, a week ago. It was, oh, bases are loaded. Let's suicide squeeze and get a run in. This offense, and I, Greg Sharp said it best yesterday while I was listening to the game. This offense will frustrate you mm-hmm. in the amount of ways they can not only get runners on base, but by doing so, the amount of ways they can score. Yeah. And you held this Maryland team to two runs. One of them was on a home run. That was right before Povich got pulled. Mm. Um, and the other was on a walk with bases loaded. All right, at some point, someone's going to get a hold of one, and it's going to go out of the ballpark. And if you walk a guy with bases loaded, that feels incredibly preventable, that you could have done something different there. So to hold Maryland to that is amazing, mm-hmm. at what this team did defensively. And then to go out and score... Score six runs, get them when you need them, and, and then hold on the rest of the way. Um, this nine of the last ten, as you said, they've won the last two after winning seven in a row. The last loss was a week ago at Illinois. Mm. This team's alone atop the Big Ten. Alone. Now, behind them is Michigan, and I can't wait. I want this that thing. Last series. I want this thing to yes. stay one two the rest of the way. Even if Michigan kind of jumps over them and they go back and forth and the lead changes. I want it to stay those two teams and they just pull away from everyone because that last series set for May 28th, 29th, and 30th is in Lincoln. It's my birthday weekend. All three games, every game this year you can hear right here on KLIN, but all three of those games are going to be on the Big Ten Network. They're all noon first pitches, so you get great day baseball. Yes. And I want it to be, whichever side it is, within three games of each other, Decide the Big Ten Championship. You don't get a conference tournament. Go decide that Big Ten Championship at the end of May. It's a long ways off. It's a month and a half off. Yes. But Nebraska is playing that way right now. And to put the season in perspective, this is the sixth weekend of the year. There's still seven weekends of Big Ten baseball after this. So we're We're not halfway. Not even at the halfway (laughs) point yet, but Nebraska's in first place. What else is going on this weekend? So you've got Husker baseball today. It's a 1.30 pregame, 2 o'clock first pitch. They're going at noon tomorrow. Um, and please tune into ESPNU tonight. Watch a little bowling, going for a national championship. You'll be able to watch baseball, then get to that. Uh, also, make sure folks go out and hit throughout the day. Lancaster Event Center yes. hit up the mother of all garage sale presented by Fairway. Do it. Schedule your vaccine. Get the get your shots. Wear your mask and uh, bowl big red.